everyone. Thank you for tuning into Unapologetically Different Podcast. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And we're in Season 5, Episode 34. If you haven't already, go back and check out Episode 33, where we discuss the tragic shooting of Sacramento native Stephen Clark. It's a really powerful, necessary episode, especially with everything going on in the world right now. So definitely go check that out. And also, Coach P was dropping some good gems in our previous episode and some great tips. So please go check it out. Let us know what you think and if the tips have really helped you in some aspects of your life. Oh, thanks for the plug. All right. You know, I do what I can when I can get it done. And and that silky, smooth music in your ear right now, that's the unapologetically different ringtone available at the iTunes store for Apple users and at the Tune store for Android users. Go cop that, support us, we really appreciate it, and it really means the world to us. And it's just, it's just smooth. It's yeah. real smooth. Mm. Pierre over here trying to Millie Rock to it. <laughs> on, every, uh, on any ah, block. Ah, <laughs> ah. Real Brooklyn. Facts. So how was your day today? Uh, it was a really productive day. I got a lot of work done, and I got to be here, got to be present, and that's all I could really ask for. I'm feeling the energy. Thank you. And I'm, that chain. Ooh, yo. Ooh, poppy. Yo, stop trying to plot on me. I'm saying, know, though. Know, my birthday coming up. I know you're from the Bronx. I might have some, somebody run up on me. Yeah, I could just whip out Cardi B and get it on you real quick. Oh. said <laughs> put it on me real quick? <laughs> yeah. Get on you real quick. Oh, come on. Like, this is a family show. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it hasn't been. We have to keep this professional. PG-13? Yes. Slightly? Yes. I'll think about it. how was your day it was intense but now i'm here and i like you know us recording it's very therapeutic for me so this is kind of my space and i get to be vocal so i'm actually looking forward to this episode and every episode i get to share with you oh all right but hold on you're doing episodes with someone else on the side we'll talk about that later oh I ain't cheating on you though. Okay, good. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm only doing an episode with Coach P. Yeah. He's my ride or die, my partner in crime. Yeah. And I love you. Yes. I, I know you get you on too. my nerves. I love you too. Mm-hmm. I know you do. <laughs> so let's get into it. Let go. <clears throat> so we will be discussing the Howard scandal. The medium post alleged. Why, Howard? Why? <laughs> Yo, it's sad, right? <laughs> It's like crazy that this is happening at Howard, of all places. Um, So the Medium Post alleged that between 2013 and 2017, people in Howard's financial aid office embezzled nearly $1 million from the university through fake scholarships, phony university grants, and in some cases, fund created out of thin air. I didn't even know that was possible. Seriously. Um, Bruh. (laughs) So here's how the scam worked. According to the whistleblower and sources on Howard's staff and in its administration, who spoke directly to The Root, and so please do keep in mind we are referencing the article from The Root titled The Finessing of Howard University by Michael Harriet. Perfect title, by the way. I think it's amazing. The finesse. They finessed it. They damn sure did. I did not steal. I just finessed it. I just finessed the funds. (laughs) (laughs) Finessed the funds. (laughs) So some employees at Howard are eligible for free or reduced tuition. So when these employees register for classes, they are entered into the school's computer system as regular students of the university. 
This is a small quirk in Howard's process makes them eligible for financial aid like any other student. The beginning of 2013, some of Howard's employees allegedly began awarding themselves university need grants intended for low-income students. So they gave themselves a raise. Basically. That's what they did? Free school. With other people board. money. You can't be mad at the finesse, can you? Yo, I would be tight if that was me, bruh. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm... <laughs> I'm still, I still, I'm not over the fact that they said they finessed it. <laughs> the people, that I, I definitely, I have come across and may know some people who, who they don't, they don't steal or do anything, Shay, they just finessed it. They just it. finessed it. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so yeah, money, the money that was stolen from Howard amounted to a million dollars, but Howard's president, Wayne A.I. Frederick, alleges that the financial misconduct was far less than previously reported. It definitely sounds like he's like just trying to like do a little damage control, but the way those kids were out there protesting, it doesn't seem like like that's there's any real truth behind that. Bruh. And in 2016, the office of the comptroller began reviewing Banner, which is the software program that Howard uses to process their financial aid. And the comptroller noticed something was wrong and ended up calling in an accounting firm called RSM to really come in and see what was the issue. They got the big guns. Yeah. <laughs> like, this shit ain't adding up, bro. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the IRS service for the financial aid department. <laughs> and you know it's taxes. If the IRS is hitting you up, you're not going to have a good year. Um, so that same year, RSM noticed there was a glitch in the system which made it possible for the university employees to receive tuition remission. Free or reduced tuition benefits that often resulted in a zero balance and the university provided them with financial aid. So basically, they were just coming up big time. They were getting paid. They had their tuition, their room and board, things were getting paid. and They were swimming in money. Yeah. Backstroking and all. Yeah. Yeah. On some Michael Phelps shit. <laughs> I just don't even understand this. It's the Bernie Madoff for the black community. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> like, Come he on, Howard. <laughs> he finessed it. Or they. <laughs> Plural. Dude, what is the defense opening statement? We did not steal anything. We you just have you it. have to respect the finesse. <laughs> Mess. And then Bruno Mars come out. <laughs> Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew he was gonna do that. <laughs> you ain't shit. Um, I definitely am not. <laughs> I should feel bad, but it's actually like, yeah, I'm, we got it. I'm yeah, like actually dying because it is it is bad and terrible that this happened, but you got to be able to laugh sometimes. Um, yeah, so the financial aid office managers had the authority to grant themselves financial aid awards without external control or oversight, and that. That is where you really come into issues, a la Donald Trump, where you don't have oversight. Just know whatever the hell you want. Basically. Um, so RSM found that 131 employees received free or reduced tuition and grants from the university between 2011 and 2016 and received disbursements. <clears throat> Although not all 131 employees were in on the scam, records show that the top 50 recipients accounted for 90% of the refunds. Even more concerning, the top five individuals received 600 
$89,375 in total refunds over six years, including but not limited to $90,000 in tuition remission, $279,000 in university grants, $303,000 in refunds, and $18,000 in loan forgiveness. What the hell? Jeez. That's a lot of money. Jesus. For black, an all-black university at that, where they barely get any source of financial aid. Very, It's very limited. Tuition is relatively lower than in comparison to predominantly white institutions. And this is what's going on for all of that time. As a result, the school fired employees and hired a financial aid consulting firm to review compliance, operation, and training in its Office of Financial Aid. On April 4th, Howard University administrators met with the U.S. Department of Education officials to review the university's financial aid department. The investigation determined that six individuals were engaged in a misuse of university funds, meaning they stole it, also known as finessed it, okay, <laughs> which is different from federal student aid. So the report cautions that the investigation is ongoing and has not determined whether federal student aid was involved. So speaking of the six individuals, one of the individuals was Tyrone Hankerson Jr. <laughs> I'm mad at David Tyrone. <laughs> it's like Tyrone enough. Bruh, I instantly throw that Erica Badu song. You better call Tyrone. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't even think about the Tyrone aspect of the name. Right? <laughs> I was I, I was looking at Hankerson. I'm just like <laughs> That's what you what? I'm like, that does sound like a white collar crime like last name. <laughs> Tyrone, damn. What you was expecting his name to be Dante Brown or some shit? Daquan. <laughs> Daquan. <laughs> Pookie and them. <laughs> we gotta be serious. Seriously. Because this is a serious topic. We're professionals. We are. All you right. have to find humor in some of these things because as sad as it is, which it really is, like, come on. There has to be some kind of humor in it. Because this shit is crazy, bruh. Continue. Yeah. So... Tyrone was actually trending on t- on Twitter, the hashtag Tyrone. And Black Twitter went in. Yeah. Like, they didn't hold no bars. They definitely never do. That's never do. I love it. I no, love no filter, no nothing. I like Twitter, but I love Black Twitter. <laughs> like, <laughs> Black Twitter take it to another level. Black Twitter for President 2020. Facts. <laughs> so, Tyrone lured up and conducted interviews about him not being at fault and really standing in. He wasn't responsible for what happened. His lawyer states Howard University was wrong for blaming him and they needed to exonerate him. But there's no mention of how he obtained all that money. According to reports, he received about 400000 in funds. Where they do that at? 400000 Bruh. Even if you're in school for four years. Like, oh. But please know, he's in a law school now. Okay. So, the irony. He's... Becoming a lawyer, he lawyered up in a scandal that was finesse, allegedly. <clears throat> see how that just came around? Yeah. Um, I definitely see how that came around. 
you. I hate you. <laughs> he still attends a law school, and there are ongoing protests happening at the school as the students are irate and need answers. In one of the protest videos, they were chanting, bitch, better have my money. Yeah. It, it sounds like a Rihanna. It was like a Rihanna concert. It definitely was a Rihanna concert. But to be real, as, as much as we're adding humor to the situation, it is very disheartening to see this happen. Because while I was on Black Twitter and I was reviewing, because I, I seen hashtag Tyrone. I really didn't know what was going on. And then went on Twitter. You thought somebody got killed. Or some, again, you know, like another Black Lives Matter incident. But aside from the humor, there were people on there throwing shade, commenting on him, rocking Gucci flip flops and all it is. But there were actually people on there, like one girl who was like, I was in financial aid begging y'all for money. Y'all say y'all didn't have it. I was practically crying and she couldn't stay at the school. There were people who had scholarships and scholarship was taken away from them because of this glitch in their system, allegedly, and they had to leave the school. So people's lives was altered and affected in major ways because they were under the impression the school didn't have money. And it's not that they didn't have it. It's just that they just had people who was finessing the hell out of the system, which is really unfortunate. <clears throat> what are your thoughts on what happened, Pierre? Um, it's It sucks. Like, I really feel bad because like you said we were, we were joking and trying to find humor in the situation but when you really think about people who weren't able to go to school and had to drop out or go back home or had to take out their own loans to, to really just get an education better themselves and just put themselves on better footing in life um you're... are those who probably just thought i'm defeated college is not for me yeah crazy yeah, they, you just, you're taking that away from people that actually really need it. Um, it it's not fair. How would you have reacted to that if that was you? If I needed financial aid and I found out that... And you had they to would, leave. If I had to leave... And you oh, knew Tyrone had all the funds with his Gucci flip flops. Yo, we would have Brooklyn up in... We would have gotten Tyrone's Gucci flip flops to pay for this next semester. <laughs> Tyrone's having a flash sale of all his stuff. <laughs> you a mess, bro. Yeah. Coach P's a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> um, so what about you? Do you think Howard University could have handled this situation better? Um, I definitely think they could have because this story really broke because someone put it in the medium and then it was like, it went viral and then they removed it apparently. Um, and now everyone's talking about it. You know I watch Scandal because mm-hmm. you know I'm obsessed with that show. I felt like Howard could have got in front of the scandal. Mm-hmm. They should have came out and said, we discovered this has been going on and we're trying to work on ways of dismantling it or whatever. It just looks weird that an anonymous person published something in an article and because it, it kind of went viral, it's like now we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. It just looks really suspicious. And then even when you like, you know, with the receipts, they said it's been going on since, what, 2011. That's several years. We're in 2018. So, to me, and even though they said they had six individuals, I see it like this. With these six, I don't think they were the only ones involved. I think this seemed like it was like a passed down thing. You know how you take a class, you're like, you got to end that class? Yeah, we did this paper. Oh, you got the same paper? I'm going to give you the paper. That's what I feel like happened with the scandal. It was like other people was involved. They graduated. Yo, how you got them Gucci flip-flops? Let me tell you. And then it's like... You got to go work <laughs> You got to work in financial aid. You got to swindle. You got to act like you got a scholarship for something that you wasn't meant to get. And that's how you get the money. Because how is it only six people? And then on top of that, too, 
I feel like there was somebody higher up, maybe in the cabinet of the president who was a part of this scandal. I just, it's just, I don't know. The way they went about it, I just feel like they could have handled it better. I just felt like Howard could have got in front of the scandal. They could have came out, make it seem like they were taking control of the situation before it even leaked out to a newspaper or any other kind of like platform so that even if that was to come out, mm-hmm. you'd be like, well, they already got in front of it. Yeah. That was my take. What you think? I think we should start a new segment called Keys Conspiracy Corner. Because <laughs> from, from the last that episode, was cute. yo, I'm with you. I like you said this is passed down from <laughs> generations to generations. I'm saying <laughs> since the I'm saying <laughs> the president's involved. He's having an affair with the secretary, <laughs> and. <laughs> And they have an illegitimate child (laughs) that's being raised in South Africa. This is what happens when I watch Scandal. My mind just goes. But no, honestly, when you started saying that, I'm like, that probably could be realistic and could be happening. They could have gotten Olivia Pope on the case. Because I'm sure, like, especially if you're in the financial aid office and you're a student working there and then you're about to graduate, you're done with school, like, why would you not tell your friends or someone you're close with, like, Yo, this is the come up. Like, you're good. Trust me. And then on top of that, he's you in law school. see the flip-flops. Bruh. And he was, and there was one with a Range Rover. The thing is, he in law school. And he even said he couldn't, he alleged in an interview that he used to work for the university. That's how he received some funds. But he quit working from undergraduate. He went to Howard undergrad. Now he in law school. Because, you know, law school is very rigorous. You really can't work. Which is true. Yeah. But you in law school... With this sum of money, where does it come? Like, where is it coming from? How did you obtain this amount of money? Yeah, Tyrone, where's the money coming Tyrone from? Tyrone and them. And according to him, he's not a part of it, so it's alleged. You know, they put it all on him. Even pull up receipts in his accounts, they went in. But are you surprised by the funds being finessed? And- well, not really. I'm not surprised by that. I think there's always loopholes and ways of, like, really getting around systems. And usually... When people find them, they just exploit it. Um, I'm definitely not surprised because I think this could have happened in any university or in any financial establishment where people find ways to just finesse it and they do it. Um, it sucks that it happened. And like you said, the imp- there is a real impact on families, students, and yeah, people's lives. lives in general. Yeah. Um, but I'm not surprised that this happened. But um, I'm... I'm glad that you said that it happened at other universities because there was also um, something written about Columbia University. Apparently, there was a similar scandal, but it was a very small, minute situation where it wasn't like, I guess, years of going on and it was between like a couple people. Um, and that's also alleged, but it does happen at other campuses. I was surprised in general. I was just surprised whether it happened at Howard or any other university, whether it was all black or, or predominantly white institutions, because it happened. I'm like, in my mind, I would hope a, a campus or a, an institution is smart enough to have someone overseeing all that money and smart enough to have like checks and balances everywhere you turn. Matter of fact, I would expect you to have somebody at IRS working at the school. Like, check it, like, to me, it's so careless. It's like, this is too easy. What they did was too easy. And the 
the school. That was way too easy. So I was surprised about the funds being... I'm generally surprised. When this came out, I was like, yo, this happened for real? And then other schools that may be involved in similar situations. I'm just surprised in general because the most I expect or think of when I think of institutions is you cheating on an exam and y'all coming together and figuring out the answers. Because that happens. Now that... That's uncontrollable. That's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? But you stealing money... Like, real money? I'm not talking about a little chump change, like, textbook money. I'm talking about <clears throat> half a mil? Yeah, like... That's why there's no arrest. <laughs> well, he lawyered up. So, you know, it's all chess moves right now. Hmm, we'll see what happens. So, does this situation make you look differently at the university as a whole? Um, I think... Not at Howard to some extent I do because it makes me question their integrity and it makes me question any school's integrity for that matter. That is a part of similar scandals because for me, luckily I'm done with college, but for me, if I'm going in our school for that matter, if I was going to an institution and I know that there's a huge chance that, and this is a, it's not even like a small itty bitty chance. It's like, oh, this is a huge chance that my money could huge. be sw swindled and finessed. To me, it's like, I'm not going to want to go there and I'm going to have to watch my money on top of going to class, doing homework, doing work study to pay my bills and make sure I'm not eating oodles and noodles every night. I got to watch my money to see what was put in my account, what was taken out, why was it taken out? Like you're doing extra work that people in, in the financial aid office is paid to do. That's what kills me. It's like, so what are y'all sitting around doing? Just telling people, no, we ain't got no money? We y'all sitting on change? Like, it does make me look at the integrity of the school differently. Like, that's interesting. And it makes me wonder what their incoming class is going to be in the fall. Like, if, if it's going to increase, if it's going to be a drastic change to the campus to the point that it's going to decrease, where does it, like, where does it leave Howard? Can they really... I believe they could overcome this situation, but it's going to be questions. And I feel like, like I said, the, their integrity is put into question, which is, it's concerning because Howard is known to be one of the most prestigious HBCUs. And to know that this is happening here, it makes you question, where else is it happening? Well, I guess for me, I don't I don't really know if I feel a type of way about the school, because like I said, the, these are student employees who are stealing the money so it's like if student x finds out he could work at the financial aid department and steal money from the school it's like it's not necessarily the president or anybody it's like students who a lot of times college students don't have money so they're trying to find any way of like really surviving and if you find a way you could dip into the school's pockets like that without getting caught so I, for me i don't really feel any way about the school and we're going to talk conspiracy theories. I do feel like the president, colleges in general, are just making so much money and and they're not using it all for the students. Like, so. I mean, the reason why I think I look at it, because it's not, if this happened like last year mm -hmm. and it was like a, maybe like one or two year situation, I'm like, oh, this was this, this been going on for several years. True. Which is like, that's what makes it scary. It's like, yo, this been going on for a hot minute. And, and do we really know if this is when it's been going on? Maybe it's been going on before that. Yeah. For all we know. Because now they're coming out with information after the article was published in the medium. 
So that's what I'm saying. If they had gotten ahead of the scandal and they had addressed it accordingly, I'd be like, oh, okay. But the fact that they didn't get ahead of it, it was a leak article. And it's like they're giving out bits and pieces of information because, of course, it's still under investigation, which is very understandable. But now it's like, I, I think what gets to me is the years. Because it was like, this was going on all this time. Allegedly, it was only six people involved, and y'all fired them. But it's like, it doesn't really solve the root of the problem. You're only taking care of the surface. It's not getting to the root. How were they able to access that portal and get the money and do all of it? There has to be some kind of checks and balances. And it, that, and to me, like what we said previously, RSM discovered that there was no oversight. All this money and there's no oversight. That's a problem. You know what I'm saying? That, that's a huge problem for me. Huge. Because it's like, you're a prestigious university. There needs to be oversight. There needs to be a checks and balance system. And maybe for what's put into place... From the first time they tried to take the money or swindle it or finesse it, y'all would have caught it. Like, oh, this don't make sense. So, I don't know. Maybe if it didn't go on for that many years, I would have said, you know, well, they got it. They're they're on top of it. They're handling it. But with it being so many years and then people, a lot of six people allegedly, and I'm like, it could be more. I look at it like a little funny. And that's why I think they need to be very transparent with not only the public, but with the students as to what's going on. And even the students are upset. You know, you're not being transparent to them as, and it's their money. They need to know what is going on. Every yeah. step, every corner you turn, whether you feel like you don't have to tell them. Right now, you have to because you didn't get ahead of the scandal. So that's why I feel like their integrity is kind of lost, and I look at them a little funny. But we shall see how this turn out. Yeah, we will see. So for our next topic, we're going to be discussing a recent post that came out online for The New Yorker by... Pulitzer Prize author Juno Diaz, and he wrote a really powerful piece entitled The Silence, The Legacy of Childhood Trauma. That shit was deep as hell. <clears throat> really deep. Yeah. It it was definitely a moving article, and it will actually appear in the New Yorker on April 16th, but right now it's on their website. We'll actually put the link in the show notes so you can go check that out. And also post it to our social media page. So, spoiler alert, if you want to check out the article before, we're going to actually go in and discuss the actual, the the article now. So, the story really starts off with Juno going to Amherst, where he's at a book signing. And one of his fans actually comes up to him and she asked if he was sexually assaulted because this was really alluded to in his books. And at that interaction, he actually dismissed the question and essentially told the fan no. But later on in the article, he admits that he was actually raped at the age of eight. Crazy. Yeah. By, and, and sadly enough, by an adult that he truly trusted. And the part about it that was like really crazy was that he was raped by this adult. And the adult told him that he had to return the next day and experience it again. Like, he couldn't tell anyone. And he was scared. He was terrified. He was eight years old. And all of this was happening. And he returned the next day and he was raped again by the same person. So he was raped twice at the age of eight. Yeah. And it's messed up because he told him he would get in trouble. And for an eight-year-old, like, that's the last thing you want to yeah. do. You, you don't want to be getting in trouble. Um, so for years from that... From that incident up until his adulthood, he was hiding the secret. And he went through many stages of depression, 
and mood swings. And at one point, he was even told by his mom, like, you need to pray on, you need to pray to really just deal with all the things that he's been dealing with because it affected him growing up, going through school with his friends, with his relationships. And that's always the answer, though, in a black community. Keep in mind, Juno's Dominican, but he black, so same thing. But it's always, even throughout the Caribbean, it's like a thing. Like, you're going through something, pray. It's yeah. like, my this hurts, pray. I get the significance of pray, and I do think pray is very powerful, but it doesn't answer all the questions. You know what? Pray is just not enough. Sometimes you actually have to put in the work and do more than just pray. Mm. Um, and I think that... There's a disconnect with our with different communities, especially within the black community, as to us understanding that. You can believe in God or whatever you believe in. <clears throat> you can believe in the universe. I know we've been saying that. Believe in whatever you want to believe in, and you can pray, but you have to put in the work as well. Combination of prayer and the work you put in is what really makes a difference. At least it has for me in my life and the things that I've had concerning issues with. So, but I've noticed that when his mother said to pray, it was like, wow, like, this is what we're doing. Mm. Um, in any event, he tried to kill himself several times. At the age of 14, he put his father's pistol to his head. Um, at the age of 14, that's crazy. And senior year of high school, he asked a girl out. She rejected him, which also added to his depression. Because he thought if he got with the girl and she said yes, and maybe he'd had sex with her, it would absolve him of everything that he's had to deal with. Um, when she said no, he swallowed his brother's leftover drugs, which was like three bottles. Yeah. And that didn't work. So after that encounter, he did not try again the next day because he got accepted to Rutgers um, College. And I believe all the other schools he had interest in, he didn't get accepted in. But he got accepted into this one. So this was like a light at the end of the tunnel. It was a very temporary light, but it made a difference in his life and, you know, how he was going to maneuver past the situation. Um, it was difficult for him to lose his virginity because he kept having thoughts of the rape. It was seeping during his encounter with a female, and it caused him to like back out of having sex. So he would fall in and out of relationships, especially in cases where women were in love with him, but because of his trauma, he couldn't continue in these relationships. Um, and I'm glad that he pointed out these, these things. He was being very promiscuous and sleeping around to numb the pain, but it didn't work. So there was one part in the article that I really liked where he actually stated, I would meet intimidatingly smart sisters, would date them in the hope that they could heal me, and then the fear would start to climb in me, the fear of discovery, and the mask would feel as if it were cracking and the impulse to escape, to hide, would grow until finally I'd hit a Rubicon. I'd either drive the Novia away or I would run, aka a classic trauma psychology approach and retreat, approach and retreat, which is what he was displaying. And he really discussed how he was living a double life and how his father did the same thing, much to his family's regret. That passage was deep. Yeah. That part that you read. And the fact that he recognized what he was doing and how he was using these women in the process of healing or trying to heal. Very powerful. Yeah. So one day the trauma took over and he attempted to commit suicide. And fortunately, he had a friend there who was present and saved his life in the process. And at that point, it was a turning point for him where he really decided to seek help and really seek out a therapist, which we've discussed in past right. episodes. Like in the black community, there's like a stigma around seeking help for 
having a therapist. Like, that's something that's, like, taboo. Mm-hmm. So, must have, and especially he's dealt with this since he was eight years old, kept this a secret from his friends and his family. So, it was a real turning point for him to actually go out and, and seek that help. And luckily, through his therapist, he was able to put the mask aside and really start living, living life again, really being present. So he's currently in a relationship, and he told his partner and his friends and his family about his past because, again, this was something he's been carrying all along. For years. Yeah. Like, that's a lot to carry yeah. on just your soul in general. Yeah. Like, he stated at one point in the article that his family and friends just thought he was like a, a loco kid. He was crazy, and he just acted out. But Hence why his mother told him to pray. Yeah. But it was more to it than that. And he also discussed how he took a break from writing for some time because of this trauma. So it really affected his life, not solely in relationships, but his business relationships. And what I like that he mentioned is about dreaming. You know, when you're a child, you're innocent and you have these dreams. And after that incident happened, it's like his childhood was taken away. His innocence was taken away. This is a problem with sexual assault incidents pertaining to children. Their innocence are taken away. They're practically adults dealing with adult issues at a very young age and don't even know how to heal from it. And the ways that he was trying to heal wasn't really successful because he actually ended up hurting and damaging people in the process, which he recognized. And I'm I'm happy that he spoke about it in that context because you make the assumption when a guy acts a certain way that, oh, he's just a fuckboy or he's just this, but it's like deeper meaning. And I'm glad that he decided to seek a therapist. I think that was very important. What were your thoughts on the article? Uh, I thought it was really, really powerful, just moving. Um, what did you feel when he just said he was raped at eight? Like, what? I feel like that sentence alone was like, whoa. Like, it was one of those, like, like you know where this article gonna go now. When that got mentioned, like, it was like a shock factor. But then what really got me was when he was like the the guy told him to come back again. That's the crazy. Part. Like when he said you need to come back so you make sure so you don't get in trouble. And then he was like, he doesn't know why, but he ended up going back there the next day. I'm just like, fuck, that's so messed up. Like, mm-hmm. so like that that part really hit me hard. Like, and just really just getting present to like what he how he was dealing with it like he said his whole life into adulthood um not losing his virginity until junior year in college and even at that point it was hit or miss if he was able to get with women sexually because he didn't know what his reaction was going to be so Mm -hmm. just really the impact that it has and it just really got me present to like people are suffering in this world all the time like we all walk around with these masks, like everything is great. And especially with social media now, like it's even more, that mask is even bigger and it's even out there for the world to see. But yeah. we're all dealing with stuff, some people more than others. But like a lot of times people don't actually address the issues that they're dealing with and they'll literally go through their entire life mm-hmm. with it running their life. So. It just really got me present to that and, like, the impact that really has on people. You never really know what people are dealing with. And it's that's why, like, it just made me think you always got to just 
always ask or always be conscious. Like, you never know what's going on. Like, don't assume Mm -hmm. with anyone or any situation because there could be some some real serious stuff happening. And people, again, that mask is always there. So, Key, do you believe that people date for the sake of being healed? Hmm. I think so. I think people date and expect the person that they're with is to come and save the day and to help them heal through whatever they've been through. And when they realize the person is not their savior or they can't fix them for whatever reason, just like in his situation, they kind of wither away and go someplace else. Um, And I think that's kind of one of the issues with dating now that where we're at as a generation. It's like you have broken people out here instead of them healing themselves and like looking for the proper help to either whether that's to seek a therapist or maybe you need to just spend some time single trying to figure out who you are and what you really want you're going around dating multiple people you're either having sex with several people like he was doing being promiscuous just getting it in being a typical fuck boy or and you're breaking hearts along the way or you're in relationships with people and investing time and energy And in turn, you're just wasting another person's time because you're going through stuff that you either haven't disclosed to that person or you have, but then you haven't given yourself the opportunity to see how, where, and how far that relationship can go. Um, Maybe if he had disclosed this to his previous girlfriends, maybe he would have remained in those relationships because they probably would have been more accepting as to who he was. Um, But I do think people date for the sake of being healed. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have in the dating world is because you shouldn't seek someone else to make you better or to fix you or to heal you. That's a lot of responsibility to put on one person. We're all humans. We all have our own shit going on. I don't need you coming to my life expecting me to heal you. And I got my own stuff going on. You ain't healing me. So what are we doing? We just walking around and looking stupid. So I do believe that that's the case. Honestly, what about you? So... Yeah, I definitely think people go into relationships hoping that it's going to deal with whatever they've got going on. And just like you said, it's not the ideal situation for two broken people or two people dealing with a lot of stuff to get together. The ideal situation is you are fully committed, you're fully happy with yeah. who you are, and you're with someone else who is the same way. And then you guys both decide, like, listen, I'm fine by myself, I'm happy, but... I think we have something dope here. We could be dope together. Mm -hmm. And if you're down to do that, let's make that happen. But I don't need to be here, and you don't need to be here either, but we've decided together to be together. Yeah. A lot of times it's, um, like you said, two broken people, and it's just they're playing out the same dramas and issues from their past on each other and hoping that things are going to change, but it never really does. And, And ironically enough, I really believe like what you... You get what you are. So if you are broken, if you are dealing with stuff, you're not going to find the people who are whole and complete to really be in your life. Like, you're going to attract attract more people. You attract what you project. Exactly. So, you a fuck boy you're going to (laughs) get? You're going to get a fuck boy. (laughs) A fuck girl. (laughs) (laughs) My share of fuck boys. Anyway. (laughs) You seen how that turned out. I'll I'll heal you, kid. (laughs) He my partner in life, so it's cool. Um, so, did you think this article gave you more insight about why some men may be promiscuous or display signs of, like, the classic trauma psychology? Um, it did give me some insight into it, and 
the classic trauma psychology. I didn't even know that was a thing about what he discussed, and I thought it was very important. Um, it gave me insight to men that who are fuckboys. There may, for some, not all, because some of y'all really be out there on some bullshit and don't have reasons, like on some real. But for some, or that's thoughts. <laughs> the demographic. <laughs> Um, Check that on Urban Dictionary for those who don't know. (laughs) Um, For the demographic of some of the men who are out there who are really broken beneath the surface and they are acting out in these ways, it did give me more insight. It's like, oh, wow, didn't know that's what you was going through or that's what you have on your plate or that's what's resting on your soul in his situation. Um, So it definitely did give me more insight. But then again, I'm not going to go into something... It could give me insight, which it has, but I don't want it to be a situation of, okay, I got insight from this article about how some men are, but that doesn't mean it's enough of information for me to go into a situation and feel like I have to endure what I'm being given or what I have to, I have to tolerate all of the stuff that you're doing, your shenanigans, because of the stuff that you've been through, especially if you're not being open to me about what your past encounters were like and what caused you to be this way. I think if, if I'm with someone and they open up to me in that aspect, I could be understanding. I can't understand what I don't know. But then again, it's like, I'm not going to tolerate what you think. Oh, I'm just going to treat you like this. It's like, all right, you explain this to me. This is what's going on. Let's try to work on ways to resolve it. What do you need me to do on your behalf in this situation? So I could speak to that because I've had a similar encounter. Not necessarily the person I was with that was sexually assaulted in any way, but they've had previous issues of past relationships and brought it into what we had so but i was open to trying to resolve and see what we can do moving forward but it's kind of hard to do that when you and that person's not on the same page and they haven't matured drop the name fully and <laughs> no names <laughs> i don't want them to think they're important because it ain't that deep but i'm just saying in regards to this situation and it's because it's a real topic of, you know, being healed and being healed through relationships. And I'm realizing this pattern, too, um, just observing different types of relationships and how people perceive relationships and trying to figure out ways how we can heal as individuals before we even go into anything. But to answer your question, it does give me more insight into men, but not enough insight for me to endure bullshit. Mm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'll do what I can when I can get it done. Um, what I would say is one of the most important lessons I walked away from this article is do not run from your trauma or try to bury it. Face it head on. Tackle your demons so that you can start living again. And that's one of the things that he pointed out that I like towards the very end of the article is that it's like he was living again. He talked about him dreaming again, his dreams not being as dark and dreary as they were before. All I got to say is read this article. It is deep. And it does make you think about things, but the way he written it from start to finish, it was written really well. And I just think it's very important. It was some valuable lessons taken out that article, just about family, community, um, the black community, <laughs> dealing with, you know, seeking a therapist, healing. And I like that he spoke about going to a therapist. And it's not like the work happened overnight. People think, oh, I go to therapist, I'm good. It took years for him to get to a better place. And that's huge. You know, the fact that he committed himself and he was really, he said in an article he was disciplined to go into a therapist. And that's another thing. Yeah, you could sign up and go to a therapist, but you need to be disciplined. And I'm not talking about you just going and paying for your hour visit. You know, therapy, they give you homework. Actually taking a part of those assignments and doing it. 
and actually being more involved and doing the work. That's the end on top of that. Like I said, doing the work and praying is going to make a difference. But just praying and thinking that's going to solve everything, to me, it's not. But I love this article. I love the way it was written. And yes, it was very deep, but it's necessary. So definitely go check it out when you get a chance. Yeah, definitely. And we'll post it on our social media page. Yeah, very well written, um, very insightful. And anyone can take away something from this article. Yes. So definitely go check that out. And and I think this is a this ending there is a really perfect way to segue into this week's segment of Coach P dropping gems. Coach P dropping gems, y'all. We need some like theme music, like. <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, you done twerking? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, twerking makes you feel good. It does. Oh, it is scientifically proven that shaking that ass makes you feel good. Just saying. Where's the receipts, bro? I will get the receipts. <laughs> I will get those receipts. <laughs> Whatever. Um. So yeah, on this week's episode, we're gonna be talking about self love. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah, boy. And I think yeah, I think it's a perfect segue from what we just uh, discussed. And I'm gonna be giving you five tips to make sure you're taking care of yourself and really creating an environment for the best version of yourself to show up. So we're just going to jump right into it. Let go. So the first tip is really setting boundaries. Have you like found yourself saying yes to requests from people that you really didn't want to do? Like, me. yeah, exactly. That's, that's definitely, that's been me my whole life. And the tip here is really to just, before this happens again, you should always ask yourself, is this something I'm really committed to doing? And if the answer is not 150,000% yes, then there's nothing wrong with being 100% no. Like, you you shouldn't really put your time and your energy into anything that you're not really fully committed to doing. Because it's not fair to you, because you're just going to just malaise and go through the motions with it. And it's not fair to the other person that you're taking something on that you really have no... You have no like intentions of either follow through or just really taking on powerfully. You always have to remember you have the power of choice. So next time someone asks you for a favor, really think about your time and your energy and if you're really going to be willing to give it 100%. Because no one is putting a gun to your head. No one is forcing you to do something you don't want to do. And your time and your energy is limited. So really spending it doing things that light you up, give you energy, Versus things that are going to drain you and bring you down. Sometimes you have to be really selfish and really take care of yourself. So you can really have the energy to take care of others. Has, has that showed up for you in your life, Key? Yeah. Um, but for me, it wasn't a matter of saying no. It was my body was telling me no. So that's when I realized I had to cut back on things. Um, and plus, I'm the type of person that when I say yes to something, I give my 100% to it. I mm. really commit to it. Um, so when I, I think I mentioned in previous episodes, when I'm doing too much and I have a lot going, I get migraines and that's, that is my cue to be like, you need to chill. Mm. So that me getting migraines scares the crap out of me. So that stops me from saying yes. I'm still working on it because mm-hmm. I don't want to be mean yeah. and I don't want to say no. And then I think about what if I need something, I need somebody, you know what I'm saying? Because you, you say a no to something that's cool. That's fine, but be prepared for the no's you're going to get in return. Definitely. And that's the problem with some people. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm saying no to all of this. All right, but then 
Somebody may want you to come to the event to support. No, I can't go because I need sleep. Cool. You're going to have an event. You're going to want somebody to be there. And that person probably could have came with like 10 other people and made your joint better. So I, I, I'm a little over analytical. That's just how I am. But I do think about it in that aspect. But I'm still learning through it. It's not that I don't have a backbone. It's just I don't want to hurt people's feelings. And then I don't want to be that person because then I would want something back in return. So it's like... I don't know. I'm still learning. It's a balance. It's not easy, but it is a balance. But I know I can't say yes to everything. And I'm glad you brought this up because a couple of weeks back, I wanted to like be a part of an organization that was doing like great work. It was like a prison of pipeline thing. And I was, I stopped and I was like, can you even commit to this? You barely have time to sleep. Cause I'm, you know how busy me and you are outside yeah. of the podcast. Pierre and I have real lives. Like we're extremely busy and it's like, I was like, I had to, I was like, how am I going to find time for this? And how am I going to tell you I don't have time for what we're doing? Because you'd be like, what? So I can't really invest in it. But I recognize that I couldn't commit before I even, you know, made any promises to anybody. I'm proud of myself for that. But eventually down the road, I will do something like it. Continue, Coach P. <laughs> awesome. So tip number two is be kind to yourself. It's just supernatural to be kind to others when people make mistakes you can really just like yeah it's all right it's not that big of a deal don't worry you'll do better next time but then when we're the one that's making the mistake or doing something quote-unquote wrong the conversation that we have with ourselves is completely different and I really invite you guys to like stop and really listen to that conversation next time you feel like you've messed up or you've done something wrong because it's usually very venomous and the way we really talk to ourselves is so disempowering. It's like, you're an idiot. Why does this always happen again? And it's like, if you took the stuff that you're saying to yourself and just took that and said that to other people, you would look at like, that, yeah. that just doesn't happen. It's not, it's not a normal occurrence. So you got to really learn to, again, be kind to yourself and at the very least, treat yourself the way you would treat other people. Mm -hmm. But the, the ideal situation is you got to be your number one cheerleader. You got to be like, sometimes the only nice thing you're going to hear about yourself is what you tell yourself. So if you're that cheerleader just rooting yourself on constantly, like you got this, like this is a setback only for you to get back, like whatever you got to say, just really just protect yourself. And just to give you guys an example, it really took me over two years to get my first life coaching client when I actually decided that's something that I really want to pursue. Proud of you, boo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and it, it was a really long process. Like, I was, I was working with my own life coach. I was trying, like, having conversations with friends, taking different programs, and just really trying to become the type of person that could really make a difference for people and it wasn't happening i wasn't having conversations with people i wasn't putting myself out there but i was definitely beating myself up about it all the time like i'm wasting my time i can't do this like i'm a failure just like who would be dumb enough to want to work with me like i can't make a difference for people like this is a joke it's just another thing i'm trying to do that i'm going to end up wasting my time and not getting any results out of it and just ironically enough and thankfully, I have friends and family who are actually supportive of me who just really just 
were in my corner when I was constantly beating myself up. And light a fire under your ass. Too, yeah. Because sometimes you need that extra push. Yeah, and you were one of those people. Yes, I know. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Round of applause to Kiana. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so I, I, I genuinely believe the way everything works out in life is perfect and it goes the way it's supposed to go. But I think if I actually had had those more empowering conversations, was more kind to myself during that two-year period, it might have happened quicker. But hindsight is twenty twenty. Would you have appreciated as much if it happened quicker? Um, That was a good question. Yeah. yeah I see the did. twinkle in your eye. Yeah, yes, Bibbo. I, I literally was just like... <laughs> I do that. This is what I do. We ain't got pro- all day, bro. Probably not. Okay. I, I do think, mm-hmm. like... Life has that, like, duality to it. So without the darkness, there can't be the light. So if you're not going through the down times, the sadness, like, the good times aren't as good. Yeah. So if things were always great, always working, always perfect, it would just be mundane and flatline. Like, you need those ups and downs. So, right. yeah. Coach Pete dropping gems, y'all. So tip number three, invest time in good self-care. Facts. That is so necessary. Yeah, it is. And it's so funny to me because people will treat their cars and their <laughs> pets better than they treat themselves. Bro, that's true. I know a dude that got a whip. He called it Panda. And he treats it like it's what? Exactly. Golden. I'm sure, I'm sure Panda gets clean. <laughs> Panda time. gets the oil chain. <laughs> Panda probably only gets the premium gas. None of that, none of that regular but we don't really take care of ourselves the way we really take care of our cars and, like I said, our pets. So what that could look like is not putting the best food in your body, really staying up and not getting quality sleep, and also just not getting movement. And those are the three things I wanted to just focus on when I say in terms of good self-care. Really the food that you put inside you it's so crucial, it's it's not even funny. Because when you think about it, that slice of pizza that you eat, you, it eventually becomes you. It becomes the cells in your body. So you really want to put healthy, good food into your body because beauty really starts from the inside. It starts from the nutrition that you're giving your body. So I, I don't, I'm not going to go into more detail there, but just really be conscious about the quality of food that you're putting into your body because that's where it all starts. Next, I want to talk about the movement. And when I say movement, I I was very deliberate in that because not everybody likes to go to the gym and lift weights. I personally, I love doing that, but... And I can see. Uh-huh, thank you. coming out today, Daddy, yes! Oh, my God. You're making me blush. I'm dark. You can't really tell, though. No, the lights are off. <laughs> Definitely can't tell. No shade, though. Mm. I like my melanin. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. Um, yeah, not everybody likes to lift weights, so you really got to find what you love to do and really just get out there and move your body. Like I was saying before, like... As human beings, movement is really what our body expects. We don't, our bodies naturally don't expect us to sit down and be idle all day long. So when you're going out, either going for a walk, playing sports, taking a Zumba class, like just having a dance party in your own apartment, just a standing desk at work, martial arts, whatever it is, just actually get out and get moving. 
And a lot of times you'll realize when you're just idle, you're not moving, those feelings of like sadness, depression, those things can really seep in because without like when you're not moving, there's no life, there's no energy. But when you're out moving, just out in the world, like things just happen to occur differently. And movement is such a really powerful thing. So get moving, get off your ass. <laughs> um, and then lastly is sleep. Sleep is really so important because that's where we get all the gains. If you're exercising or you're in school, you're studying, like sleep is that that time where your body really gets to shut off, decompress, really process everything that you did the day before, whether it was physically or mentally, so you could heal, come back, and come back with energy the next day to really go over it and do it again. And in our society, it's been talked about just, you don't have to get sleep, oh, I put in all-nighters, but we're really getting present to the fact that that isn't really beneficial to us. When you're not getting quality sleep, you, you're essentially becoming a dumber and less attractive version of yourself. And that's really why it's called getting beauty rest. So make sure you play hard, you work hard, and you sleep harder. Because that's how you're going to really live longer and have a more fulfilling life. Um, so tip number four is going to be treat yourself. I like this tip. Yeah. I mean, I like all of them, but this one is special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to you have to like just do something nice for yourself and really just you work hard, you've done so many things in your life, you've accomplished things and your people are constantly giving back and making a difference for others. So you really need to take time and just take care of yourself. So if that looks like having your spouse take care of the kids for the weekend so you could relax or just having quiet time to yourself so you could read a book or what, what does that look like for you, Key? What is... Well, I think if you're having a busy week like me, I maybe... I like to dedicate at least a day to do all the things I need to do. But, you know, unfortunately, my schedule is not set up that way. So, for me, it's like ideally to get a facial, a massage, I'm like a nice manicure, get my nails done, and get a pedicure... And, like, fitting that in. And getting a Brazilian wax, too. That's self-care, honey. She got to take care down there. So, I would do normally, like, probably fit one of those. My goal for this year is to make a list of self-care things I want to do and get it done once a week. So, like, or what I can do once a week. At least once a week. So, despite how my my week may go. Because a lot of us think, oh, we had a bad week. I don't got to treat myself. The fact I survived the week is a treat. Okay? The fact that I woke up and I'm alive is a treat. So, in the sense that I'm going to treat myself. Like, I'm not... So despite whether I'm having a bad week or a good week, doing something that I really like and just kind of focus on me and make myself a priority. So that's something that I want to do, like, an hour or two a week, designate that time within my schedule. So even though I'm not able to... to ideally, I want to do everything in one day, get mm-hmm. everything done in one day, and I could fully treat myself, but my schedule is not set up in that way. So... If I know I got an hour or two hours in of getting a manicure and a pedicure that week, I got something done. Yeah. You know, it, it. I did something for myself. So that's what it looks like for me. Yeah. We spend so much time working for other people and just giving our time and energy to others. So really just make it a priority, whether it's once a day, once a week, even once a month. Do something nice for yourself that you're really going to enjoy. So and the last tip is really... Create a a practice of gratitude. 
And when I say gratitude, it's really just having appreciation for everything that you have in life. This is very true. Yeah, there, there's so many people who have, who are less fortunate, and there's always going to be people who have more than what you have. But when you're constantly comparing and trying to really cement your happiness to material things, mm-hmm. it's it's always going to be a moving target. So you may want that car, but then once you get it, there's going to be the model that comes out the following year. So what I say here is really just learn to turn your turn your expectations to appreciations, and your whole life will essentially change. When you can be thankful for just waking up, being able to walk, just... I'm ha- glad you even said that, because, like, I think like that. When I was... <clears throat> Oprah had said it best. Um, you know, Oprah says everything best. She was like, when she wakes up in the morning, the first thing she says, she thanks God, because she's... You know, she woke up, she's alive. And that's what I do every morning. The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is, like, I be like, thank you, God. Um, Whatever you believe in, whether it's God or another being or whatever the case may be, like, that's my form of gratitude. I started off my day with that. And even when I'm in a place of, damn, I'm not where I want to be or this is not happening for me the way I want it to be, I stop and be like, well, I'm grateful that I have this. I'm grateful that I have that. I'm grateful that I'm not you know, poor when I'm living out on the street, even nights when it's raining and snowing, I'm, I'm concerned about the, the poor people out there that don't have any shelter. And I have to stop and be like, I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head, you know? So I stop and, and really pay attention to the things that I should be grateful for. Because like you said, I may have something that someone else lack and vice versa, and it's going to be a revolving cycle and we're never going to have enough. Even when we think we have enough, it's not enough. But I do. I think it's good to start off your day with a positive note of being grateful. So if that's for you getting out of bed and being grateful that you woke up, then that's a start. And you already started off your day on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you when you really get to the point where you're doing this every day throughout the day, and you're really just being appreciative of everything that you have, like you just will become a happier person. And really, what we were talking about before in terms of just being a whole and complete person. That's when you'll really start cultivating relationships of other people who love themselves and take care of themselves. And then you guys come together and just have like a loving, dope, functional relationship. Facts. It's like we mentioned, you project, you attract what you project. So if you're putting that out there to positivity and gratitude and stuff like that, you will attract someone who hopefully, you know, stands in line as to what you want. So that's a good thing as well. Yeah, for sure. Energy is a big thing. And you want to attract the right energies and the right people, especially people that you don't have to help heal. No shade. Drop the name. (laughs) (laughs) He ain't shit and he know that, so I don't need to drop no name. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, we're only only doing love here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and the world could always use more love. On that note. Yeah, on that note, (laughs) once again, guys, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate all the support. Definitely, if you haven't already, go get that ringtone. Please get that ringtone. Y'all know y'all want to listen to it. It's so smooth. You hear that? Mm. You can really Mm. rock to it, too. Hey. Hey. (laughs) On any block. Hey. Hey. Um, And you can also follow us, as always, on Instagram and Twitter at unapologeticd underscore. And you can find our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on Facebook by searching Unapologetically Different. Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye.